You're listening to Voices of Family, the monthly podcast series from the BC Council for Families. Each month, we bring you thought-provoking discussions with notable figures and frontline workers in the family service community. Voices of Family takes you inside family services to hear what's new and on the horizon, making life better for BC families. My name is Jennifer Dales, and I am Director of Projects and Planning with the BC Council for Families. I am here in the Council office in Vancouver, talking with Laura Calderon de la Barca of Moose Anger Management. Laura is a counselor and therapist who specializes in issues which connect with anger using a language and body-based approach. We asked Laura to talk with us today about anger, since most people working in family services come across anger within parent groups and with clients, and many of us struggle with how to deal with this emotion effectively. Laura, thank you for being here today. You're welcome. Can you tell us a little bit about your work? Would you say that you have a guiding philosophy or an approach to it that you could share with us? Sure, absolutely. Um, Well, the first thing is I don't think that I am an expert in people's lives. They're the expert on their own lives. But uh, what I am an expert in is in creating conversations that help them explore things from a different perspective without feeling like there's something wrong with them. Um, Because I don't think it's like there's, you know, the people I work with, it's not that there's something wrong with them, but that they've been approaching things from a place that has not been really helpful. The next thing that's really core to, to my work is my understanding of emotions. I see emotions as our navigation system for relationships. So emotions provide us with information about what's going on in our relationships that we need to take into account for us to make Um, you know better choices better informed choices and be more skillful at relating so that um, that way I don't see emotions in themselves as bad I don't see anger as a bad thing every emotion in, in this way of thinking has got its own function and anger in this way of thinking is the guardian of our boundaries so anger shows up whenever a boundary has been crossed to help us sustain that boundary Okay. Mm-hmm. So in itself, well, that's not a bad function, right? Mm-hmm. But it depends on what we do with our anger, mm-hmm. that it can become a problem. Because you can also, um, anger is there also for us to have energy to create change. Because mm-hmm. if our boundary is being crossed, there's something in the situation which is not okay. And we need to figure it out. It might be something that somebody else is doing, but it also might be something we are doing. So we need to make use of that energy to create a change in, in our environment, in how we relate or in how others are relating to us. So it's not about stopping anger. No, it's absolutely about figuring not. It, absolutely figuring not. it out. Exactly. Yeah. So one of the things we tell people is don't expect that you're not going to get angry after you leave the work you do with us. It's just hopefully you'll be able to relate to your anger in a different way. Yeah, I think that people think that it's about making it stop, isn't it? That yes. they won't, that people will not be angry anymore. Whereas yeah. it would be hard to live your whole life never getting angry. There exactly. are things that we should be angry about. Yes, and you know, we are supposed to, to get angry. angry. Angry is also very much connected to a sense of injustice, of being treated in an unfair way. And that information is very important for us to live well. If you're in a relationship where you're constantly treated unfairly, mm-hmm. you're going to end up feeling hurt and resentful all the time mm-hmm. how is that going to you know work mm-hmm. it's not so if you don't take into account the information that anger is giving you you won't be able to sort things out 
So you've referred to anger as sort of a sec it's the secondary emotion. Yes. Can yes. you explain how that works in that people think that anger is the main thing mm, sure. and your suggestion is that it's, it's actually not. the secondary yeah. piece of it. Exactly. The thing is if you think about it, when somebody crosses a boundary, that uh, your boundary, before anger shows up to kind of um empower you, you have felt vulnerated in that crossing of your boundary. So you might feel pain, you might feel fear, you know, you lost control of the boundary, or you might feel shame. Mm -hmm. you, f you might feel like, I am not worthy for this person to be respecting me. Mm -hmm. And that is a, an extremely painful emotion to feel. Mm -hmm. So because all these three things, um, pain, fear, or shame, are, you know, they're, they're, they're debilitating in a way. So people have a hard time learning to just be with that and communicate that and communicate from that place. Mm -hmm. So it's way easier and it feels way more powerful to just go into anger and rah, 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 you know, and just mm -hmm. bring forth a lot of energy and, and set that boundary again. However, if we do not see what is behind our anger, we will not be able to really resolve why we're getting as angry as we're getting. Because um, we might be um, feeling way more empowered with the anger, but it will be covering up those other emotions. Mm -hmm. And if you're feeling treated in a way that's disrespectful by your partner, and you just go into a disrespectful attitude yourself, that's going to um, erode the relationship, mm -hmm. and that won't really help work things out. And the primary issues are still sitting there exactly. untouched exactly and so they will just come again and again and again and mm -hmm. then you know let me give you an example let's say that um you and i are flatmates and that i keep leaving my dirty glass out in the counter and you know you keep having to wash it because i haven't washed it well the first time you might say okay you know she forgot you do it the second time, you might not be too happy, but you do it again. The third time, you say, okay, I need to talk to her about this. So then you come and you say to me, you know what, Laura, I don't like it if you leave that there because then I have to end up doing that. Mm -hmm. I have to wash it. So I can say then to you maybe, okay, oh, oh yeah, you're right, Jennifer. I'm terribly sorry. I'm going to not do that anymore. And then I do it again and again. So how you're going to end up feeling then is most probably you're going to feel disrespected because you addressed this with me. Mm -hmm. And I, you're going to feel betrayed. I lied to you because I said I was going to take care of it, and then I didn't. Mm -hmm. So then the, the sixth time when I leave the glass there again, you know, you're probably be going to be way more angry than you would be the first or the second time. Why? Because it's not about that one glass. It's about the dynamic around the behavior that it has become a pattern that you have tried to address and that is still continuing. So there's a lot of other layers to why people might be getting angry about and they mm -hmm. might just think, oh, you know, um, somebody might say to them, well, why are you getting upset about just a little glass? You know, mm -hmm. what's wrong with you? And it's not just about the little glass and it's important to be able to see all these things. However, when you're in the middle of it, when you're really upset, you don't have access to your higher reasoning part of your brain. So it will be harder for you to articulate it. That's why, you know, often coming to, you know, anger management and seeing this, you know, having somebody explain to you from, from outside, it helps you articulate it, it helps you make sense, and it helps you especially 
communicate it in a way that's more skillful than you would without having somebody from outside helping you see them. Instead of blowing up about exactly. and screaming, you can exactly. work through both the issue about how are you going to stop having a glass left around the house, exactly. but also how do you repair the damaged feelings that yeah. went along with that. And also, you know, you need in that case, you would need to hold me to account for my behaviors. And that is a very challenging thing to do. And this is why a lot of people end up just kind of stepping over what they're, what's bothering them. Mm-hmm. Because they have not been taught how to deal with conflict effectively. The other thing is that if I continue that kind of behavior and this extends and I say not pay the rent on time and I just keep doing things that are disrespectful to you and that are abusive towards you, mm-hmm. you might not want me as a flatmate. And then you might have to say to me, you know what, I'm not okay with the way you have behaved and I am not willing to to take this on anymore. I've given you a chance. Mm -hmm. You did not respond well. Mm -hmm. So I'm going to request that um, you find yourself another place to Mm -hmm. live. Mm -hmm. And it would not be a pleasant conversation. Mm -hmm. But as you saw, you can say these things. Mm -hmm. If you're clear about um, why you're doing it and that you've given the person a chance and that they're not, you know, responding in a way Mm -hmm. that they should, then you can feel um, a peace that you would not be being cruel with me, Jennifer, if mm-hmm. you said that to me, mm-hmm. if I behave that way to you. But a lot of people, I think, are afraid of being labeled, oh, a bad person. or And they don't realize that if they take that on, they're betraying themselves. And they'll end up very resentful, both with the person mm-hmm. and with themselves, because they betrayed themselves. So this is part of... Um, why it's so challenging to look at anger because it sometimes means that you have to challenge what people are doing in your life and it's scary because you might end up losing some relationships in your life Mm -hmm. that you might not be so keen on losing at the same time if you don't confront things you're not going to be giving people the chance of changing their their behavior and you know the whole relationship might become undone if that doesn't happen Mm -hmm. so let's say going back to the same scenario that you tell me about the glass and I said oh my god you're so right I'm so sorry and then I I clean up my act I start washing my my um my glasses and uh and I you know genuinely apologize to you and say I'm terribly sorry that was really disrespectful and I won't won't ever do it again so and you see that consistently then you can relax and know that it's not that I was being disrespectful with you. Maybe I was going through a stressful period right then that made me, you know, be um, not as mindful of my obligations to you in the relationship we have. And so then I guess it's also um, a success for a person who has, instead of wallowing in anger, they have spoken up and then you can move forward in a better direction. Totally, totally, because if you sit with your anger, it's going nowhere. And, you know, as I was saying before, anger shows up to help give you energy to create some change. If you don't do something with that energy, which, you know, in this case would be speaking up, if you don't do that, then you're just going to hold that inside and Mm -hmm. that's going to bottle up and, you know, end up creating disruptions because um, the emotional energy that you keep inside never really stays inside. You're going to be grumpy, you're going to be irritable, you might end up, you know, not taking it out on me, but taking it out on the dog or, you know, your partner or your child or your boss or the other way around. Mm -hmm. So it always ends up seeping out. Mm 
And so it's not healthy to not do something with that energy. Mm -hmm. So that's also why, for example, doing exercise is something that we we recommend to people, you know, making sure that they're looking well after after themselves. Because without without a healthy standpoint, without having a good basis, a a balanced basis for your life, then it's going to be way harder to deal with, with anger well. So eating well sleeping well, exercising, socializing. And if you engage in any kind of spiritual activity or do yoga or meditate or mm-hmm. you know go to church or whatever it is that you might do, um, if you're not doing those things, then it's so much harder for people to deal with anger. Stress mm-hmm. is so much at the root of anger for so many people. Have you noticed that men and women have different ways of dealing with anger. I assume yes. the this pop culture and the mm-hmm. way that people think about it, we definitely see men and women dealing with anger differently. Yes. How have you noticed that in your professional work? Yes, I have noticed, um, well, there's several things that, that are different. One of them is that um, for men, anger is often the only emotion that they grew up um, thinking that they are allowed to have. So socially, it's not okay for men to cry. It's not okay for men to show vulnerability. It's not okay for men to feel afraid or feel embarrassed. So when men feel embarrassed, they turn it to anger. When they feel afraid, they turn it to anger. When they feel jealous, they turn it to anger. All those emotions that leave them feeling vulnerable very often they will turn that into anger. Now, it's also important to say not every man does this, right? But it's very common that the men that have um, an issue with getting their anger under control or using it in a constructive way, very often they have not related to their own emotions. A lot of them think that they don't feel that because they have grown so numb to them. They don't even know. They don't even know that they are feeling that. There's this layer of resistance that that becomes numbness that that you know does not allow them to actually experience that consciously. So that stays kind of underneath this layer of numbness. Those emotions are there. Now for women, curiously, it's the other way around. So um, women are able to cry and feel jealous and feel vulnerable. Oh, but if they get angry, they get called the B word, right? Mm-hmm. So. Being able to be a woman and express your anger, you have to face a lot of shame in that you will be made wrong for that. that you know, and, and there will be a questioning of your gender identity that, you know, oh no, in, in Spanish we actually have a saying, calladita te ves mas bonita, which means silent, you look prettier. That is, don't rock the boat, don't say that you're angry, uh-huh. basically, and you'll be more attractive. So. For women, it's part of the, the, the challenge there is overcoming the sense of shame that they might be carrying because of the way that they w- are dealing with anger. And so for professionals who are mm-hmm. working with clients in other settings that might not be specifically focused on anger, but mm-hmm. where it might be coming up, yeah. so then they would notice that with men it would be a very big disconnect that they would have to work to get them yeah. to even note the other secondary feelings. Sure, sure. And sure. I mean, I, the other thing would be to to explore that because if you know if if a, if a guy gets told, "Well, actually, you're you know you're feeling something else," 
that person might feel invaded mm -hmm. like well who are you to be telling me that right? right so in explaining that you know you know how from it so one of the things we do is an exercise where we explore people's sense of what it means to be a man or what it means to be a woman mm -hmm. and so because it's coming from them then that gives us the door to to exploring how these ideas might be getting in the way for them to be able to um to deal with the emotions that are actually behind the anger and for women um although it's been both for men and for women women have been very quick to recognize the impact that shame has in their lives and in the lives of people around them because th the other thing is once you're able to see the dynamics of anger and and other emotions in yourself it becomes so much easier to be able to recognize them in other people when you don't see them in yourselves mm -hmm. in yourself it creates a, a a blind spot for you to be able to work with that that's also why we insist in in the um, uh, professional development workshops that we do for mental health um, workers we very much insist that every person has got to work where their own anger they had to get to know their own um, tendencies with anger so do they become passive do they become aggressive mm -hmm. do they become more manipulative and just knowing that we all have done some of that in our lives every single human being but um, if you understand that better that will give you better access to support other people in dealing with that so that is very very important being able to deal with your own anger allows you to understand the pain that other people who might be angry are holding within themselves. So without any sort of self-awareness, it's hard to really support Absolutely. people to understand Absolutely. an issue like this. Yeah, I know. I, I, I could hardly imagine that. I mean, you could just repeat the information, but mm -hmm. that, you know, you wouldn't be able to guide them through it. When you're working with a group of people, mm -hmm. sometimes you have a person in the group who clearly has a problem with anger mm -hmm. and sometimes that person's anger can really overtake the whole entire group mm -hmm. and it's a challenge that we often have especially when dealing with something like parenting where emotions yeah. are really present yeah. in in everything so yeah. do you have advice for people on how they might cope with that situation yeah. where the other parents in the group may be alienated or it's, yeah. it's just becoming an issue that really needs sure. to be addressed? Sure, I think that's a very good question because um, I think it is a big challenge. The way I deal with that, that has, it seems to me, um, is also helpful in other similar situations when somebody's very upset. When, if you think, and this is why anger as a secondary emotion is such an important idea. If you understand that if this person is very angry, it has it this person has to have a, a huge deal of pain behind their words so if you approach that person with compassion for that pain and let's say you know I see somebody in the group who's just like really angry and just kind of taking up a lot of space I would say to that person well Clearly, this is something that, that touches you deeply, and I can understand why, you know, I can see that from what they've said to me. I can see that um, uh, you were treated in, in a way that was unfairly. Now, I also see how this, you know, because it's, it's like such an important and, and big thing, 
we can't really have the space to deal with all of it in this space. So, you know, if you're interested, I can talk to you a bit after the group about what options you might have to, to deal with this. Mm -hmm. And I'll, you know, keep this in mind so that I keep connecting what I'm saying to how to deal with an upset of this magnitude, for mm -hmm. example. That way I'm directing the attention rather to, um, you know, the pain behind it. Some, it. It also depends. In some groups, I would actually address it as pain and say, my sense is like, you're in a lot of pain for this. Sometimes when somebody says that to a person, they can break down crying because their pain has been there and no one has been around to see it. They only see this angry person. And so when finally somebody kind of breaks through that and sees the pain and really connects that with that, they are so moved that the, the you know the, the pain just I'm sorry, the, the anger just um, is gone in and that And it moment. goes to the primary it goes to the primary emotion. emotion. Now some people might feel exposed that way. So mm -hmm. you you need to be able to sense the group. If if it feels safe enough, then doing something like that might move everybody else in the group to be able to see the pain in that person as well and to connect to their own pain and so compassion and empathy might ensue mm -hmm. from that. Sometimes you don't have the group to do that. Mm -hmm. So those, those, those are the things I think one should be mindful yeah. of. So it sort of comes down to being compassionate but using judgment yes. about what is the best approach. Exactly. So, well, that's something for people to think about because I know that it definitely is something that, that does come up and it is a challenge for yeah. group facilitators. Sure, so absolutely. The, I... I an interesting thing about anger is the positive mm -hmm. side of it. Oh, yeah. And it's not something that we often think about. Yeah. And so I came across a quote mm -hmm. from an ancient Roman philosopher, mm -hmm. which I thought was very appropriate for our conversation today. Mm -hmm. And the quote suggested that the real cause of anger is hope, in that we often become angry because we are optimistic and we're upset when we're disappointed. Mm -hmm. And when I read this, it made me think that in that sense, we can really think of anger in our clients and in people in our lives as something positive because it means that they haven't given up hope and that in a sense, people are still trying. Yeah. So have you, um, do you have more thoughts about the positive side of anger and, and yes. what, how we can think about it as not just something to get rid of? Yes. I mean, there's, there's a lot of, um, things that come to mind with that but um, one thing about how anger is positive in in my opinion is it really signals to you that there is something there that's that's not working that you could address um, it also gives you a chance to take a stand for the things that you really value and um, you know what what comes to mind with that is um, the work that Kant, Gandhi, for example, did in India, where although he was probably pretty pretty upset, very very angry about what was going on in his in his country, what he did had no violence, mm -hmm. but it was very powerfully transforming. What he did was tap into that hope that you were talking mm -hmm. about. People seeing that things were not okay. And it seems to me that the, the beauty of anger is that it provides you energy to make a difference. So it's the concept of making a difference mm -hmm. that can be like um, the horse that you latch onto 
to pull you out of you know the the stuckness that you might be in mm -hmm. where you might really want to have things be different and um, you know it if you think it of it in those terms then you can be inclusive about how to create the difference and you don't need to think of people as enemies but as um, somebody who's also um, trapped in a system, in a dynamic that is creating antagonism between you and that person. Mm -hmm. So if you think of it in those terms, and anger is signaling something is not working in this dynamic, instead of, oh, this person's treating me so badly, how dare you, how are you not listening to me, 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 right? So another fundamental component here is becoming egocentric. In order to make anger work well, you cannot allow yourself to stay egocentric. The impulse might initially be there because you're the one who's feeling upset, mm -hmm. but if you stay connected to your heart, if you stay connected to your values, to what you believe is right, then you'll be able to, to see things from the other person's perspective, mm -hmm. to keep a big picture in mind, and to see, okay, wh why was she yelling at me? What happened? Oh, well, she lost her job today. Oh my God, she has to be upset. So if I can see things from that perspective, I can get that. Although, you know, what you did was not okay, it makes it so much easier for me to speak to you and say, you know, are you okay? I just, I just got that you lost your job. It sounds like, you know, that really affected you. And, you know, I didn't really like how you, how you spoke to me, but I can get that, you know, you're probably feeling really bad. Is that right? Mm -hmm. That person will probably be more open to being responsible for having yelled at you. If they get that compassion from you, mm -hmm. so that those are some of the ideas, you know, mm -hmm. compassion, staying connected to your heart, mm -hmm. and focusing on what, how can I create a different, how can I make a difference here, how can I create change in this situation. Mm -hmm. So it, it it definitely does have that positive. Oh, it's moving absolutely. us forward. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. If you, if people are really feeling that anger is an issue. That they really are struggling with and yeah. and that they're looking for s further guidance in how to implement the ideas that we've talked about in this conversation yeah. what are some of the things that they could do where can they go how can they move forward um, what things have you observed to be helpful yeah well um, talking with somebody who they trust who they know cares about them might be one way to go a lot of people who um, you know, end up doing things with their anger that they're not proud of, precisely because they end up feeling ashamed of it, they end up hiding it. Mm -hmm. And so they end up isolating themselves in their capacity to deal with this. Mm -hmm. So talking to somebody that really cares about you can help you regain a larger perspective, can help you feel empathy. Uh, however, it's also very important to take on being responsible for yourself and for your emotions. So. Um, looking for support of a professional kind can be absolutely, you know, uh, can make a huge difference. Now, a lot of people um, might still have the idea about um, these kinds of services that was around in the first part of the 20th century, which is, oh, that's for people who are crazy. And, you know, you have to be like just really loony or mad to go to like a psychologist or a mm -hmm. counselor. And that's not the case anymore. I think that uh, 
the understanding of these kinds of services has fortunately changed in time. And today we have so much more information about education, about how to teach people how to deal with their emotions. That information was not available before. Mm -hmm. So our parents probably didn't have it. And so they wouldn't be able to teach it to us. And so they might have recognized that things were not very okay, but they would have no idea what to do instead. Mm -hmm. So they would be stuck there. So nowadays, we have these other services that combine a lot of emotional work with information that can help educate you about how to deal with things in a better, in a more skillful way. The way mm -hmm. I see this is about... Um, it's got kind of two sides. One is gaining skills that have to do with communication, with relating to your own body, to your own thoughts, to your own emotions mm -hmm. in a healthier way. And the other part is dealing with the difficult emotions that, you know, most people don't know how to do that. Mm -hmm. So how, if they don't know how to do that, how are they going to do that well? And if they don't do that well, well, they're just going to be uh, <clears throat> sitting there behind the anger, driving the anger so that people don't know what to do with that. Mm -hmm. So... Learning more about this, I think, is, is really fundamental. Um, one of the things that we, we offer at Moose Anger Management is uh, we've, Alistair and I have co-written um, a book, a workbook, I would say, on anger management, where we share part of the words that people who come to us have shared with us in our groups, but also we share ideas and um, uh, exercises that can help people gain uh, both, uh, a, you know, a larger skill to w with dealing with anger, um, and also provide a means for exploring what emotions are there behind the anger. Mm -hmm. The other things that that are provided there are um, instructions about breathing exercises, meditation that can help you one with with the arousal of emotion, and also with mindfulness, with being able to observe what's going on without letting that emotion or thought take over you. And so being able to learn to do those things can be hugely beneficial for one to deal with anger well. And so it's not necessarily, I think people have mm -hmm. the thinking that there has to be a major incident, you have to have a blowout, mm -hmm. something really bad has to happen and you get sent to anger mm -hmm. management yeah. because you've been a bad person. Yeah, so then it feels like a punishment, right? Right, and yeah. so yeah. It, in this, mm -hmm. that's not necessarily the case. It could no. be for people who haven't had a major incident but exactly. feel that maybe something is coming or yeah. that just it's something they want to look into more. So it doesn't have yeah. to be for people who have crossed a line and oh, are absolutely. in trouble. Absolutely. I think that's a, that's a very important point as well that you're raising, Jennifer. Um, well, first of all, our service is not, um, you know, a court-mandated one. So the people who come to us come to us because they want to come to us. So the way mm -hmm. I see that is the people who come to us are caring people in that they recognize that what they're doing with their anger is not helpful. They're not proud mm -hmm. of it. It's not being respectful. And they care enough mm -hmm. about the people in their lives to want to create a difference. Mm -hmm. And that's why they end up seeking help. So the people who come to us are yeah, caring people. And although you are right in that a lot of them end up coming to us after there has been a big blow up, some of them recognize that 
this has been going on throughout their lives and that, you know, they've thought about it, but that, you know, it's time because they don't want to lose their job or lose their spouse Mm -hmm. or, you know, lose their children. And, you know, some people will come in with those um, um, events having having just happened recently. In a way, um, that allows them the opportunity to go really deep with this work because they're clear at that point in time of what the cost can be of not dealing with anger Mm -hmm. well. So, um, you know, to people who might be listening to this, I would say um, if you see that the way you're dealing with anger is not really the best way, if you're not just creating change in a respectful way with your anger, then you could benefit from from learning with us about anger. Mm -hmm. And um, the other thing that I would say is, if you see that this has been an issue, don't wait for the explosion to come. Don't wait until you've you've lost the relationship, until you've been kicked out of your job, until your your children don't want to speak with you anymore. Because you know, if if you don't deal with things well, it you know it very probably will end up causing pain to the people around you. And although it might not get to the point of a huge explosion. It will be eroding your relationships. Mm -hmm. So the choice really is, do you want to have more intimacy in your relationships? Then you need to create a space that feels safe. For that to happen, you need to be able to deal with your anger in a way that leaves people feeling that their integrity has still been respected. Mm -hmm. If that's not the case, then we have something to offer to you. And so for people who have children and who maybe don't have a strong, as you were mentioning, maybe our parents' sort of emotional intelligence is something that is a little bit coming coming into Mm -hmm. its own and it wasn't something that was taught as directly as it is now. How can people, how can people, I guess, prevent their children from having problems with anger and prepare them to be able to understand it as an emotion and get to the root of it? That's an excellent question, Jennifer. The best way is to model it for them. That is, take charge of your own anger. Mm -hmm. Because if you don't, your children will have to suffer for that. Mm -hmm. Both because they will, you know, um, receive the impact of your anger not being dealt with skillfully and also because that is what they will learn from you and if they end up learning that from you that's what they're going to be teaching their children mm-hmm. unless they they end up coming to you know somebody like us and learning to deal with that mm-hmm. take that on and break the chain because if you look back you'll probably discover that your parents and grandparents dealt with things in a similar way to how you're dealing with them mm-hmm. so it's up to you to break the change so that your children do not get to experience that again. Mm-hmm. So if you don't want to do it for you, do it for them. Do it for the kids. Do it yeah. for the kids, yeah. Well, Laura, I want to thank you very much for sharing your thoughts with us today. It's been a very interesting conversation. Thank you, Jennifer. And on behalf of the BC Council for Families and our Voices of Families listeners, I would like to thank you for adding to our understanding of this issue, which is a really important one. And I'd like to let our listeners know, for more information about Laura and her work with Moose Anger Management, you can check out their website, which is found at www.angerman.ca. And for more information about the work of the BC Council for Families, 
and the relationship resources that we offer, please connect with us at www.bccf.ca. Thank you, Laura. Thank you very much. It's been a pleasure talking with you, Jennifer. Great. That wraps it up for this episode of Voices of Family. Check the BC Council for Families website next month for another episode on the latest in family services at www.bccf.ca. Thanks, and see you next time.